WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, August 29th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds with a chance of rain today, high 79. Clouds and thunderstorms overnight. Low 72, and then tomorrow morning rain, maybe some sunshine in the afternoon, high 86. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 66 and cloudy out in New City in Rockland County, 65 and cloudy in Allendale down in New Jersey. And it is 67 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning have been following what has been a breaking story since about 3 o'clock this morning. A water main broke in Times Square. It has shut down streets in Midtown. It has suspended some local subway service crews. Worked around 7th Avenue and 39th Street to shut down this water main break. Again, it was about 3 this morning. Uh, 7th Avenue was closed from 41st to 39th Street. And 39th Street is closed between 6th and 8th Avenue. So if you're driving, you want to stay out of that area. Then it's affecting the subways as well. At around 3 a.m., the MTA shut down power at the 7th Avenue station and halted service on the 1, 2, and 3 trains. The 1 and 2 trains are suspended between 14th and 96th Street. So if you're one of those Early commuters who uses one of those trains, uh, check um, mta.gov. Make sure it's running. Of course, keep it here. We'll have all the latest traffic reports um, from Lori Blanchard coming up in just a moment. Uh, one of the stations, one of the subway stations turning into a waterfall from this water main break. A video shows water flooding in from the ceiling of the station, pouring onto the tracks. So, uh, as of moments ago, anyway, the one, two, and three were having problems in that area. Also issues with bus transportation. If you have a bus that goes through that neighborhood, you'll probably want to avoid that as well. But keep it here. We'll have the latest uh, from uh, the news desk and from Lori Blanchard all morning long. All right, let's get into some of the other big headlines of the morning. The top five at five. A gruesome murder-suicide on the Upper West Side. Another migrant protest out on Staten Island. School bus drivers are ready to walk off the job. New poll numbers are bad news for Governor Hochul. And is there really an alligator on the loose in New Jersey? All right, let's get into it. 503, we'll start on the Upper West Side. Just a gruesome scene there yesterday. Police investigating after a family of four, including two children, were found dead inside an apartment on the Upper West Side with apparent stab wounds. Police responding to a 911 call for a wellness check. This was on the fourth floor of a building on West 86th Street. About 3 o'clock yesterday, they broke down the door to the dead-bolted door, and they found this blood-soaked apartment, a whole family dead, and what police suspect is likely a murder-suicide. Neighbors in this building uh, that they say are all close-knit can't figure out exactly what went wrong. I think it's crazy. I think it's scary. You know, I I couldn't imagine, you know, when this happened and we're all shaking. You know, the first thing that we think is who could have come into our building 
and done this. So they found a three-year-old and a one-year-old dead in a bedroom, a 40-year-old, their mother dead in the hallway, and their father, 41-year-old, dead in a bedroom. The mother and father both suffered injuries to their neck, while the three-year-old boy suffered injuries to the torso. One-year-old boy, injuries to the body. EMS responding, pronouncing all four of these victims dead at the scene as neighbors try to figure out why uh, this happened. He's always been around. He's like really, it's just like they look like a very happy couple. I just spoke to him the other day. He was there with his son and a little baby and I said how great to see you and your wife and your family. We've known each other for so long. So this is what we know so far. Police recovered multiple knives at the scene. The crime scene played out in the home of the building superintendent who lived there with his wife and two young sons. The 41-year-old who grew up in the apartment when his dad was the super had recently gave notice to the co-op board that he had taken another job. And that job was going to give him a larger apartment so his kids could have their own bedrooms. But something obviously went horribly wrong. Moving to Hastings on Hudson to take on a new building because he's outgrown a one-bedroom apartment with his family of four. Mm -hmm. And we all were so happy for him. Yeah, and police sources saying it was the superintendent's father who grew concerned when he didn't answer his phone or the apartment door. So with the help of another family member, they hammered out the peephole of this door to see what was going on. And and that's when they spotted the horror right away. The children's mother was a motionless on the hallway floor, and that's when they called 911. Police raced in, knocked down the door, and that's where they found this family. So the thought is, they don't know for sure, but the thought is, is it is a murder-suicide. Uh, they'll do more investigations, obviously doing an investigation late into the night last night. But uh, as you might guess in this building, uh, as they said, they're tight-knit. They know each other well. Everybody knew this family well, and they're just shocked beyond belief. And I thought, oh, isn't it great to live on our street with this happy family? This is heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. Yeah, so as more details about this crime come into us, of course, we will pass them on to you. WABC News Time 508. It was a weekend of mass shootings across the country. Unfortunately, it was more yesterday. University of North Carolina confirming at least one faculty member killed after a shooting on campus there yesterday. School officials making the announcement. This loss is devastating, and uh, the shooting damages the trust and safety that we so often take for granted uh, in our campus community. So police do have somebody in custody, not releasing the name, possible uh, motives. Earlier reports indicated the shooter was a grad student. Classes have been canceled today. The shooting took place in a laboratory, triggered a three-hour lockdown. I'm grieved to report that one of our faculty members uh, was killed in this shooting. We do have a suspect in custody from today's active assailant incident. Yeah, so students who got the message via text that there was some sort of shooting going down say they were pretty terrified yesterday. Within three minutes, cops flooded the street everywhere. You could see people coming out with loaded weapons, just flooding the street, telling people to, you know, stay back. You see that on your phone and you think it's just one of those things, you know, you, you don't really know what to think about it. And then you see what the response is and you start to realize just how serious the situation is. Yeah, police set to hold a press conference later today. Maybe they'll detail a motive in this shooting. 509, let's go down to Florida. Tropical Storm Idalia marching towards Florida. Luke Strickland, he's with the Florida Emergency Management, says all the models show that Idalia is getting stronger. We- 
project this to be a Category 3 major hurricane, 115-mile-per-hour winds heading towards Florida's Big Bend area, north of Tampa Bay all the way up to the Big Bend. So the storm expected to strengthen into a hurricane today, pass over western Cuba. The storm has sustained winds of about 80 miles per hour, even higher gusts. That has lots of people worried. Uh, We are preparing the best we can. We have personnel all through the state ready to respond to the storm. Yeah, so yesterday actually marked... 11 months since Florida's strongest hurricane in years when it stuck uh, southwestern Florida. The Tampa's mayor says the storm is a reminder that uh, these things are unpredictable and you have to be prepared. We don't have to go back too long to think about Hurricane Ian and how we were in the crosshairs. And while our friends down south didn't have the time to prepare that they needed. So the storm surge in Tampa Bay is forecast to be as high as seven feet. So we're just asking everyone, everyone to please ensure that you are ready for Adelia and any of the other storms uh, that may come our way. Yeah, it is that type uh, that time of year, and people in Florida are used to this kind of thing, but you always got to be ready. Right now, we are expecting that we will be uh, we will be experiencing storm force winds tomorrow afternoon about 4 p.m. Yeah. We have our sandbags we've been giving out over the weekend. We purchased the three sandbag machines. And so the wait time at any of these locations is a, approximately five minutes. All right. So uh, we'll be watching this as it uh, goes towards Florida later today. Keep it here, 77 WABC, for the latest on that. 512, while we're in Florida, two people died, four others injured, after a Florida sheriff's office for office fire rescue helicopter crashed into an apartment building. This was yesterday. Sheriff Gregory Tony says the unit was actually responding to a car crash when there was an emergency on board. They were fighting for their own life. A fire broke out on board. They did their very best, from my understanding now, to try to extinguish that fire. But additional mechanical issues occurred, resulting in our unit crashing into one of our local residents here. One woman in the building was killed. Two others were also taken to the hospital. Hospital officials say none of the injuries there uh, seem to be life-threatening. We're going to suffer. We're going to hurt. But this community should know we're prepared to answer the next call. We are not going to lose our focus, even though we're hurting and we're dealing with our own tragedy. Yeah, and so far, investigators say it's just a tragic accident. The first of which is one of our civilians here. A lady in her home died in this tragedy. The second of which is one of my firefighters. We lost one of our captains today who was on board, serving this community, hoping that he would get a chance to do what he does best, which was land and extract and rescue somebody else. Yeah, investigation into that crash continues today. 513 down to Texas. The operator of the Texas Electric Grid is blaming a lack of wind energy for recent power problems. I'm sure you've been following this story all summer, how hot it's been down in Texas. Uh, 100 degrees one day after another. They've had a hard time keeping the lights on. And Senator John Cornyn says this shows the limits of green energy. Wind energy doesn't seem to be working all that well for Texas this summer. Nighttime, solar panels don't work very well. And when the wind's not blowing... Wind turbines don't work very well. The Texas Republican says there needs to be an all-of-the-above approach to the grid. That includes renewable fossil fuels and nuclear. The Texas utility issuing four straight conservation requests over the weekend when power generation dipped close to demand. And that means using everything from nuclear 
to uh, natural gas, all of the above. Yeah, and he says Democrats need to get on board this thing as well. Part of what we need to do is do a better job of thinking through our energy needs. Yeah, it's been a tough summer, no doubt, for them down in Texas. 514, let's go up to uh, Washington. President Biden urging Americans to speak up because diversity, he says, is being attacked. America is the most multiracial, most dynamic nation in the history of the world. All of us. All of us need to say clearly and forcefully, as forcefully as we can, that hate will not prevail in America. The president making the comments in Washington, D.C. last night while marking 60 years of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under law. The president noting that domestic terrorism rooted in what he says is white supremacy is the greatest terrorist threat we face in the homeland. White supremacy is a poison. It's been allowed to grow faster and fester in our communities. The U.S. intelligence community is determined that domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy is the greatest terrorist threat we face in the homeland. We heard a lot from the White House uh, yesterday. We're going to get into that as the morning wears on, including some interesting plans for 9-11. We'll get into that more. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77W ABC Sports Desk. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, Justin Ellick. Good morning. Happy Tuesday to you, Noam. Layden start here in Detroit. The Yankees took care of the Tigers by score of 4-1. to one. In the first of four last night, after a pretty non-eventful first six innings of this one, with the Yankees up just the tally, Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres decided it was time to pull away a bit with back-to-back jacks in the seventh. Judge hammers that. High, deep in. Goodbye. Number 29 for Aaron Judge as he clears the left field wall. And the Yankees' lead is 2-0. Now Torres powers one to left field. Back to back. Goodbye. Glaber Torres with home run number 21. And the Yankee lead is 3-0. That call, or those calls, courtesy of the Yes Network. That wasn't it for good news on the night either, as Luis Severino pitched shutout ball on the hill for the Yanks for the second straight start. Showing signs that he is returning to form. Tonight, the Bombers will try and knock the Tigers off again in Game 2. Set for a 6.40 p.m. first pitch. Michael King is tapped for the start against Detroit's Tariq Scooball. Out in Queens, the Mets ended up on the other end of the spectrum, falling 4-3 to in their series opener against the Texas Rangers. New York essentially had this one in the bag, up one with two outs in the ninth, before Texas's Nathaniel Love played heartbreaker with a ninth-inning two-run single to put the Rangers ahead for good. Brendan Nimmo and DJ Stewart home runs accounted for the three New York runs. They'll see, the Mets that is, if they can bounce back in Game 2 with Texas set for a 7-10 p.m. first pitch tonight. Jose Quintana will take the hill against Texas's Andrew Heaney. And staying in Queens, no, tennis's U.S. Open continues today after round one of the men's tournament opened up yesterday. Carlos Alcaraz is actually in action today. i got to double-check the oh, time. Oh, really? But he's the number one player in the world, so... Yeah, he's awfully fun to watch. He is, and he's uh, he's like only twenty years old or something like that. Yeah, so he's that, a kid. That should be uh, very, very exciting. Watching Novak Djokovic won yesterday as well. Set sports numb. I'm Justin Ellicott. WABC News Time five nineteen. It has been two years since the U.S.'s painful pullout from Afghanistan, in which. 13 U.S. military members were killed. Texas Republican Congressman Mike McCall meeting with some of those family members of the deceased to discuss what happened. What's so sad for these parents is it could have been prevented 
and their child is dead now. He claims a sniper had the suicide bomber in his sights but was told not to shoot. He also claims there were other warnings before the bomb exploded that the government ignored. President Biden has defended his decisions on that day. We started to project weakness when Afghanistan fell. That ugly surrender to the Taliban, that's what it was, a surrender. 519 President Biden says uh, will attend a ceremony to mark the 26th anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. The president will travel to Alaska to, to participate in a memorial ceremony with members of the military and their families. Yeah, in Alaska, that's a new one. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says the president will be in Vietnam the day before the ceremony. Vice President Harris and her husband will visit the 9-11 Memorial and Museum here in the city. First Lady Jill Biden will lay a wreath at the Pentagon Memorial. The Vice President and the Second General will participate in a commemoration ceremony at the National September 11th Memorial and Museum in New York City. The First Lady will lay a wreath at the National 9-11 Pentagon Memorial to honor the lives lost on September 11th. And, of course, we will have our own commemoration right here on 77 WABC on September 11th. 520, some Republicans are planning to use the upcoming debate over the farm bill to push for tighter food stamp requirements. But groups that work to fight hunger say now is not the time to do that. That's in part due to a slow recovery from the impacts of the pandemic, but also just the sharp increase in food prices and just generally Cecilia Cole there, she heads the nonprofit uh, called Feeding Texas. The current farm bill expires at the end of September, and the vast majority of the cost goes towards food stamps. Currently, adults without kids must work 80 hours a month to qualify. One of the debates will be the age limit. Some want the work requirements extended to those to into their mid-50s. increase work requirements for people who have significant barriers to employment, you're basically just increasing hunger. Cecilia Cole there again says she would not put more restrictions on social services at a time when inflation is out of control. And it seems there are more people who are using food pantries. We're seeing more people in our lines. Um, We're seeing people um, struggling to stretch their own food budget. 521, Simone Biles. Remember how rough it was for her at the Olympics? Boy, she'd come back in a huge way. She now holds a record for the most titles won by an American gymnast. With her victory Sunday at the 2023 U.S. Gymnastics Championships in San Jose, California, Biles broke a tie with Alfred Jockham, who competed eight decades ago. Biles still hasn't said if she aims to compete in the 2024 Olympics. I'm Trey Thomas. Yeah, sure, it looks like she's working towards those Olympics. Rapper Eminem requesting that GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy stop using his song Lose Yourself on the campaign trail. According to the Daily Mail, the rapper's legal team reached out to BMI, the company that licenses music, to pull Ramaswamy's clearance to use the song. Lawyers for the rapper also sent Ramaswamy a cease and desist letter. Political reports that the candidate is a longtime fan of the 8 Mile rapper and even performed as a libertarian-minded rap artist called Davek. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. WABC News Time 523. It's not just big cities, but retail theft has become a problem 
just all across the country. And it affects everybody from chains to mom and pop stores. It's actually been an issue for several years, and we've seen it grow through the growth of inflation. That's uh, Annie Spillman with the Federation of Independent Businesses says their members cannot afford security guards. They want to police to get more support so they can stop organized theft rings. A Dollar Tree says it's either going to lock certain products up or stop selling them altogether due to theft. No doubt you've noticed here in the city and maybe even in the outlying suburbs that even things like like toothpaste, are locked up, and you need to get somebody to come and open up the case for you. The company CEO over at Dollar Tree said on a call yesterday with Wall Street analysts that the theft issue is getting worse every single day. A lot of times it's an actual ring. They go in, they steal these things, and then they sell them on the black market. Yeah, and uh, maybe you've seen this as well. If you walk into certain neighborhoods across the city, they're selling things like deodorant and toothpaste because sometimes uh, they grab them and make some money off These them. These people come in and they're so blatantly have disregard for you know, cameras that are there or even people that are there. Yeah, and uh, we've heard it here. Merchants here in the city, business owners in the city say it's getting worse here in the city as well. 524, the opening bell it rings this morning after Wall Street was able to extend a broad-based rally to kick off the final trading week in August. TechShare has actually led the way. Yesterday, with Meta and Apple posting gains, 3M and Goldman Sachs added momentum to the markets. At the closing bell last night, the Dow climbed 213 points. S&P 500 added 27. The Nasdaq gained 114 points. WABC News Time 524. Let's bring it back home. A rally last night on Staten Island. Pressure building on President Biden and members of Congress to help New York deal with the tens of thousands of migrants who arrived here. Another large protest on Staten Island last night. This is over the migrants that have been sent to a Catholic school there. People who showed up say they've had enough and they want to know more about these migrants that are being placed in their neighborhood. That's only 22 now. Who's going to know next month how many are going to Yeah, so right now there are 22 in this school, but the school can hold as many as 300 migrants if it needs to. That's only 22 now. Who's going to know next month how many are going to be here? I'm hoping that they they put them elsewhere. There's plenty of other places, not in the middle of a residential area. This is at St. John Villa Academy, where initially they had won a battle to keep the migrants out, but then they were overruled on Friday. Uh, yesterday at this rally, you had Vito Fasella, the Staten Island Borough President. Um, uh, Congressman Maliotakis was, Nicole Maliotakis was there as well. <laughs> Yeah, and the Homeland Security Secretary did tell Mayor Adams and the governor that the agency has identified 11 federal sites throughout New York that can be used to house migrants, but that uh, tensions between Democrats and Republicans are getting in the way of some of these sites. It's gotten awfully ugly. Of course, we followed this story all along and will continue to, but another rally on Staten Island last night over those migrants that have been put at the St. John Villa Academy. 526. 
Uh, it could be a rough start to the school year here in New York City. A possible school bus driver strike could impact thousands of public school students across five boroughs. New York City officials releasing an action plan yesterday ahead of the first day of school, which is September 7th, trying to figure out how to get kids to class. I think it's really bad timing. Like, children have to get places, and they're young. And, like... Just not appropriate timing. Yeah, that's one parent. Mayor Adams, Chancellor David Banks say the plan would proactively notify and help support families, they say, in the case of a potential strike by the Almag, Almag, the Almagamated Transit Transit Union, ATU, which is local 1181. If the union strikes, it could affect 4,400 routes across the five boroughs, potentially impacting about 80,000 students, of which 25 of them are special education students. The uh, plan they have in mind is some of these people would get instant metro cards, the one able to get to class on their own. Others would be given money towards uh, taxi cabs, that kind of thing. But they don't want this to happen because they say it's just a mess to figure it all out. I'm hoping they make a decision with the strike because I can't afford it this year. He was eight then. And the school bus went on strike, and my son got hit by a car taking the public city, the city buses. Yeah, so that was the last strike. Did not work out well for that mom. Mayor Adams vowing the city would continue to monitor the situation, encourage the parties to remain at the bargaining table. They still think they can work this out before the first day of school next week. We depend on the school buses right. and everything, so it's like, if we don't got the school buses, we got to figure a way. And if y'all can figure a way for us, why not? I have to make my work schedule around, you know because I can't do it without the buses. And we've heard from the DOE, the Department of Education. Apparently, they're establishing this reimbursement system for families who would have to use taxis, ride shares, or their own vehicles to get their kids to school. A reimbursement rate of 58 cents per mile has been set with a maximum reimbursement of $200 per day. So, again, they're hoping that they can work out a deal with these bus drivers before next week. Not clear if they'll be able to do so, but, of course, keep it here, 77W. ABC will have the latest on this potential strike. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 533. Good morning. It is Tuesday, August 29th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds today could see a shower, high 79. Clouds and thunderstorms overnight, low 72. And then tomorrow, morning rain, maybe some sunshine in the afternoon, high 86. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 66 and cloudy in New City up in Rockland County. 65 and cloudy in Allendale down in New Jersey. And it is 60. And partly cloudy here in Midtown. We'll start this hour right here in New York, where this new poll, poll numbers getting worse for New York Governor Kathy Hochul, uh, postal. Uh, pollster Tim Dunn says a Unite New York voter empowerment index poll shows Governor Hochul only has a 40 percent approval rating, which is down 10 percent just from three months ago. So I think New York voters, they're, they're seeing it for what it is. 
poll was taken the last week of legislative session, and New Yorkers were frustrated. The legislature and the governor didn't act on these needed reforms, and voters are not happy about it. Meanwhile, 53% of respondents think politics in the state are headed in the wrong direction. Up, That's up 3% from a few months ago. About 4 out of 10 New Yorkers who took part in this poll say they're actually considering leaving New York altogether. 80% of New Yorkers want to see term limits and, and, and majorities want to see these big, big reforms. And yet the state legislature doesn't act on them. The proof's in the pudding. People are voting with their feet and uh, they're saying enough is enough. Yeah, that pollster Tim Dunn also saying that voters were demanding reforms and they say they felt like they didn't get them. At some point, our, our, our electeds have to wise up and, and understand that the New York voters are not going to tolerate this any longer. It, it's why the governor only won by 300,000 votes. Yeah, and uh, you saw over the last couple of days she stepped up and uh, has really pushed back against this issue with the migrants and has done a little bit of a battle with uh, Mayor Adams over this. Some of this, I'm sure, connected to those low poll numbers, 10 points down just in the last three months. 535, a woman who was jogging along the Manhattan waterfront hit in the face by a man in what is believed to have been an anti-LGBTQ attack. It occurred at Hudson River Park, this 52-year-old jogging near West Houston in West Street in the West Village when a man went up to her, made this anti-gay comment, and then hit her. It's definitely concerning, especially at that time. I think we think think bad things happen at, like, 2 a.m. And, <laughs> like, you know, and especially this area, it feels so safe. Um, so, yeah, definitely concerning, especially how random it was. I think it's kind of shocking that it was super early because you, you consider... You think of those attacks happening like later at night when it's dark out, when like people aren't necessarily around. So it's, I guess, shocking. Yeah, the wanted man seen in a picture who's been released. I mean, someone's going to recognize him. It's a very clear picture of this guy. Uh, the victim had cuts to her face. Uh, she fell to the ground. Her knee, left hand were hurt. I don't necessarily ever feel unsafe, but super weird that that happened. I hear these things often, but... To know that people care enough to look for it and try and do things about it is hopeful for, you know, making it safer. And you can go to WABCradio.com to see a picture of this person that police have so far not caught up with. 536, people from across the five boroughs flocking to Sunset Park yesterday. It was a city hiring fair. There are more than 100 jobs available. Actually, the number is much higher than that. But they're trying to get people to come and work for New York City. So many people left during the pandemic and then post-pandemic when people were told they could not work from home. They went and looked for other jobs. So there's tons of jobs that need to be filled. Mayor Adams took part in this fair yesterday. Employment is freedom. You cannot have freedom without a job. As we push in our reminder of the 60-year movement towards jobs, housing, education, uh, really ensuring that we could uh, have the level of equity, it starts with being employed. Yes, so uh, there was a pretty large turnout, by the way, for this fair yesterday. They say these are quick hires, and by the way, some of these gigs pay pretty well. So if you surf on over to nyc.gov, if you're looking for a gig, uh, now's the time to get one with the city because there's plenty of openings. WABC News Time 539 out to Jersey City. The mayor there, Stephen Fulop, wants police body cam footage of Sunday's deadly police encounter to be released as soon as possible. The New Jersey Attorney General's Office 
investigating after police shot and killed 52-year-old Andrew Jerome Washington when he charged at them with a knife. Now, his family had apparently called cops because they say he had been acting irrationally. When you look at the footage of actually what transpired, you'd be hard-pressed to say that we could have taken a different approach. They arrived at the scene based on the medical center's advice. They entered or they went to the door and communicated with Mr. Washington for close to an hour. Washington's family says he was experiencing a mental health crisis when they called for mental health services. Uh, Jersey City Mayor there and the public safety director say the responding EMS crew requested that police join them because they felt threatened by this uh, Jerome Washington. Mr. Washington is sick. He's not bad. He's not evil. He was sick. But uh, that didn't make him any less dangerous, unfortunately, to those officers at that time. And they had to take what reasonable steps they could to protect themselves. And we the all wish it had ended differently. Yeah. And the police commissioner saying that uh, police followed every protocol. And he says the body cam will show that as well. Spoke caringly to him, constantly reassured him that we were only there to make sure he was OK. I'm very comfortable um, with the tactics we used. I just wish they had ended differently like they do almost every other time. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of these incidents over the last couple of years, mental health issues and police it's not a great mix uh there's obviously an issue with people getting mental health uh help uh, across the country 541 a new jersey park closed yesterday as cops continue to search for an alligator that's on the loose the middlesex borough police department first received a report of a small alligator seen at victor crow park this was last week the alligator was spotted uh in this duck pond um, officers and local officials uh, putting out all the stops to find this reptile. Here were some people on the shore. They were looking for it as well. It, it was pretty big. It was about four feet. The resident told me five to six feet, and they saw it. They showed me a picture of it. Who knows? They're not being smart, I think, about the safety of, of this. They're not um, taking it seriously. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, and lots of people are just sort of joking around on the uh, shoreline. They're not too worried about it, but that guy obviously is. For an alligator that's estimated to be three to four feet long, it is surprisingly good at staying hidden. So far, nobody's been able to find it. This is not a big pond, and there's a lot of people looking for it. They're kind of excited to see it. They want to see it. But because uh, we always go down here, there was like, there's like frogs, turtles, and a bunch of stuff in there. So like, some of like want to you know actually see it. Yeah, of course. Uh, Saturday night, police officers say they were able to locate the alligator themselves. An officer attempted to uh, get to it by shooting at it at close proximity, but the alligator immediately submerged into the water. It's not clear if they actually hit the alligator, but so far, again, uh, as of last night. Nobody's been able to find this thing. This is not a huge pond, by the way. I hope nobody's in danger, but yeah. I mean, it seems like they're having a good time out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so as of Monday, Middlesex police had announced the park was closed. We haven't gotten word if it's closed again today as they have not found the alligator. The thought is, and this makes sense, is somebody probably had this alligator as a pet in their house and it grew too large. And then they dumped it off in a pond. Uh, it happens every once in a while. 543, bring it back here into New York. Parents and teachers across New York State being warned about vaping products being marketed to children as they head back to school. The president of the New York Convenience Stores Association says there's a new wave of vape products that look like school supplies that are being sold. My members don't sell this stuff. And it's the illegal retail uh, uh, stores like you're, you're seeing in, in the cannabis space 
that are selling these products to, to school kids. Yeah, and those cannabis stores, are, I mean, they're just everywhere, the illegal ones. So you can buy, and a lot of times, unfortunately, they sell to underage kids. The association says the products that look uh, like highlighters, you know, those yellow highlighters used in schools, uh, th- those are vape pens now for kids at school. Um, USB drives, uh, phones, anything to try and evade detection from teachers and parents so kids can uh, vape up when they're in school. And uh, the New York Convenience Store Association says none of their members are selling this. You should go after the people who are, though. Highlighters and pens that kids, you know, use every day uh, and that teachers have no reason to suspect are contraband are now being sold on the street. I can tell you my kid who's in high school said he said it seems like everybody's vaping, which is kind of sad. And we got we got away from smoking. and Now, apparently, we're back into it again. Meanwhile, a Long Island politician proposing a state bill that would force school kids caught smoking marijuana to attend cannabis counseling sessions with their parents. A Republican State Assemblyman, Keith Brown, introducing the proposed legislation, says the current $50 fine for anyone under the age of 21 caught smoking pot just isn't enough of a deterrence. So now he would want teenagers who are caught in school or by authorities uh, smoking weed to go through these cannabis counseling sessions with their parents. Uh, uh, so far, we don't know how much support he has for this, but he's trying to, he's going to, through the new session, try to push this through in Albany. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Alleyden. Let's we'll start here in Detroit. The Yankees took care of the Tigers by a score of 4-1 to one on the first of four last night. After a pretty non-eventful first six innings of this one with the Yankees up just a tally, Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres decided it was time to pull away a bit with back-to-back jacks in the seventh. Judge hammers that. High, deep in. Goodbye. Number 29 for Aaron Judge as he clears the left field wall. And the Yankees' lead is 2-0. Now Torres powers one to left field. Back to back. Goodbye. Glaber Torres with home run number 21. And the Yankee lead is 3-0. That call courtesy, or those calls courtesy of the Yes Network. That wasn't it for the good news on the night either, as Luis Severino pitched shutout ball on the hill for the Yanks for the second straight start, showing signs that he is returning to form tonight. The Bombers will try and knock off the Tigers again in Game 2, set for a 6.40 p.m. first pitch. Michael King is tabbed for the start against Detroit's Tariq Skubal. Out in Queens, and that's ended up. Is his name? Scooball, S K U B A L. I was going to say yeah. that's terrible. His last I mean, name is Screwball. As far as I know, how else would you pronounce it? <laughs> Scooball. How does he spell it? S K U B A L. Oh no, yeah, you're so right. It's either it's either Scooball or Skewball. Right. But if it was Skewball, I would imagine there would be a W in there. You're probably right about that. I got an A in grammar. Gnome Aladdin. I out believe in, that. Out in Queens, <laughs> the Mets ended up on the other end of the spectrum, falling four to three in their series. Uh, opener against the Texas Rangers. New York essentially had this one in the bag, up one with two outs in the ninth before Texas's Nathaniel Lowe played heartbreaker with the ninth inning, a two-run single. Put the Rangers ahead for good. Brandon Nimmo and DJ Stewart home runs accounted for the three New York runs. Uh, they'll see, the Mets set is, if they can bounce back in game two with Texas set for a 7-10 p.m. first pitch tonight. Jose Quintana will take the hill against Texas's Andrew Heaney. And staying in Queens, Tennessee's U.S. Open continues today after round one of the men's tournament opened up yesterday. Uh, Djokovic won yesterday 
world number one Carlos Alcaraz in action later on this morning. Sports on 77 WABC No. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Unfortunately, one of them is just really gruesome and awful. Police investigating after a family of four, including two children, found dead inside an apartment on the Upper West Side. Apparent stab wounds. Cops responding to a 911 call for a wellness check on the fourth floor of this apartment, West 86th Street. This was about 3 o'clock yesterday. They broke down to the door uh, and found the blood-soaked apartment, found the whole family dead. When police suspect is likely a murder-suicide. Now, this is one of those tight-knit Upper West Side buildings where people have lived in these apartments for years, and so everybody's in shock. I think it's crazy. I think it's scary. You know, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, when this happened and we're all shaking, you know, the first thing that we think is who could have come into our building and done this. So they found a three-year-old and a one-year-old in one bedroom dead. I mean, it just doesn't get any more awful than that. Their 40-year-old mom in the hallway, 41-year-old father dead in the bedroom, the mother and father suffering injuries to their neck, stab wounds, uh, the three-year-old to the torso, the one-year-old all over his body. EMS responding in pronouncing all four of them dead at the scene. He's always been around. He's like really, it's just like, they look like a very happy couple. I just spoke to him the other day. He was there with his son and a little baby. And I said, how great to see you and your wife and your family. We've known each other for so long. So police recovered multiple knives at the scene. The crime scene played out in the home of the building's superintendent who lived there with his wife and two young sons. The 41-year-old actually grew up in the apartment because that's where his dad was super. And he had actually recently given notice to the co-op board that he had taken another job because it came with an apartment that was much larger that could uh, handle his kids as growing family. Moving to Hastings on Hudson to take on a new building because he's outgrown a one-bedroom apartment with his family of four. And we all were so happy for him. So sources say it was the superintendent's father who grew concerned when uh, he didn't answer his phone or the apartment door. So with the help of another family member, they hammered out the peephole. And when they did, they saw what was going on inside. That's when they called 911. Police raced to the scene. Again, just neighbors sort of trying to figure out what exactly took place. And I thought, oh, isn't it great to live on our street with this happy family? This is heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, down at the University of North Carolina, now we know more about this story, confirming one faculty member killed after a shooting on campus there yesterday. School officials making the announcement last night. This loss is devastating, and uh, the shooting damages the trust and safety that we so often take for granted uh, so, in our campus community. Police have a person in custody, not releasing a name or possible motive. Earlier reports indicated the shooter was a grad student. Classes canceled today. The shooting took place in a laboratory, triggered a three-hour lockdown. I'm grieved to report that one of our faculty members uh, was killed in this shooting. We do have a suspect in custody from today's active assailant incident. Yeah, and students on campus, as you might guess, were freaked out when they got the alerts on their phone that there was a man with a gun on campus. Within three minutes, cops flooded the street everywhere. You could see people coming out with loaded weapons, just flooding the street, telling people to, you know, stay back. You see that on your phone and you think it's just one of those things, you know, 
you, you don't really know what to think about it. And then you see what the response is and you start to realize just how serious the situation is. Police promised to release more details today. And let's go down a little further south. Tropical storm Idalia marching towards Florida. We project this to be a Category 3 major hurricane, 115 mile per hour winds heading towards Florida's Big Bend area, north of Tampa Bay, all the way up to the Big Bend. Yeah, and all over Florida, they're getting ready. We don't have to go back too long to think about Hurricane Ian and how we were in the crosshairs. And while our friends down south didn't have the time to prepare that they needed. Yeah, and she says, well, that's the mayor of Tampa saying they do have the time that they need to prepare. Uh, and, of course, we will follow the trail of this storm all day long right here, 77 WABC. We'll bring it back home. New Yorkers worry that Times Square is sliding back to the bad old days. You know, the other day, uh, one of the bums is walking around with his knife, you know, trying to stab one of the big bus guys, The you know, with the red shirts on and stuff. You'll come out and there's a homeless person just right there, pans down. Kids could be walking by. They, they don't care. That's people in Times Square yesterday. So in the last two years, major crime has rocketed 50% in the NYPD's Midtown South Precinct, which encompasses Times Square, Grand Central Terminal, Madison Square Garden, and the Port Authority Bus Terminal. New Yorkers who have to work walk through that neighborhood to either get home or to their job say they see homeless begging, drug addicts, and too few cops. And they looked all the way. They don't want to get involved. I see a lot of officers you know, with their face and their phones when they're supposed to be looking around. They're so busy dealing with other things right now that I don't believe that they can be everywhere at once. But talking to some of the tourists who were walking through Times Square yesterday, they say they actually have done their research before they come to New York and they say they know where to walk and who to talk to. Those stuck in traffic may wonder how much commuting to work actually costs you every year. The Chamber of Commerce aimed to answer this very question. They took the average commute time for workers in 170 of the most populous cities in the country. Then they multiplied the time by the mean wage per minute pay rate. This gave them the average cost of commute per year. San Francisco had the costliest commute at just over $12,500 per year. New York City ranked fifth in the nation with almost $11,000 per year. I'm John Fink. Oh, so that 200-year-old West Point time capsule, we'd gotten word they were going to open this time capsule yesterday up at West Point. So everybody's excited what's in this time capsule. It turned out to be just a total bust. The scientists who examined the small box found at the base of an 1829 monument said the lead container was totally empty. The box didn't quite meet expectations. There is a layer of silt. That's what we were removing here. Sort of like Al Capone's vault and uh, my good friend Gerardo Rivera. That was empty, too. However, he had promised the military academy brass that they would gather this box for the opening ceremony of school, take a closer look at it. Now they're going to sift through the what's left of it to determine if there was ever actually anything in this box. I mean, you would gather there was if they had buried it. We'll screen it through a fine mesh screen to see if we can find any remains in it and determine what, if anything, was in here. Yeah, but as of now, well, it seems like there's nothing. There are 32 franchises in the NFL. And only a handful don't have a mascot. With the NFL season just about to start, the question remains, why are the Jets and the Giants, two of only four teams in the league, not to have mascots? I've always kind of wondered this as well. I always thought maybe it's just like a corporate thing or the fans don't want it. But um, here's the fans. Uh, they all have their own theories of why the teams don't have their own mascots. Everyone just has such spirit that they don't need someone to rowdy them up. Football's intense. People are pretty focused. You know, there's no time or patience for some guy in a costume running around. 
So the two teams say there's no specific reason why they don't have mascots. The Giants say historically it was never part of their philosophy. I think it's the fans are just more serious in New York, and we don't care about having a mascot. Um, so anyway, uh, no legitimate or firm answer from either team of why they don't have those mascots. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.